Anyway, I'm excited to be with you guys today. Um, this, this whole series on Sabbath is becoming life-changing. Anybody sensing anything happening with this series? Boy, I am. And today, really, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story about what's happening to me and what the Lord is showing me. I hope that's okay. Um, I see some revelation for us as a body in this, um, but he never, ever releases anything to us without making us go through it. That's just kind of mining, what happens in mine and Ken's life, is we never, ever have the privilege of coming and bringing any word to you without the Holy Spirit saying, you're going first. Guess what? Get ready. Um, so today, I just want to welcome him in the word this morning and as he brings revelation to our hearts. So would you just for a minute with me, let's just welcome him. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you today. You are teaching us something. You are showing us something. You are bringing revelation into our lives regarding Sabbath and how you want to um, bring freedom, rest, joy, worship, delight, all of those things into our lives, Lord, as we become obedient to your word. So today, let us hear you. I thank you, Lord, that it's not me, Lord, but it's you delivering this morning what you have for our hearts and for our lives. And we give you all the glory and the honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So on Sabbath, we started with Ken introducing us on the stop. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've been, uh, I've been working on my Sabbath um, and trying since we've been doing this series. And can I just say, I am not doing well on practicing Sabbath. And I was like, okay, I think my first problem is at the first stop, and that's the stop. The first part of Sabbath is the stopping. And I'm really struggling with the stopping part of it. But then the second part was the rest. And I loved our worship set today because really that worship set spoke of the victory that Jesus has given to us, what, he's, what he has already, the work that he's already done that we get to rest in. So rest, we looked at when we spent two weeks on that. Um, Dan, Pastor Daniel spoke once and then Ken did last week some more on rest. Not just the physical, but yes, the physical, stopping and resting. But it's a place that we come to in our minds, our hearts, our soul, our spirit, of resting, no striving, but resting in what God has already done for us, what Jesus already did and accomplished on the cross. That's a lot of revelation to make all of this get in alignment with. Does that make sense? So today, we're going to take it another layer, and we're going to talk a little bit about how practicing Sabbath becomes an act of worship to Jesus. So I grew, Ken mentioned he didn't grow up in, in a Christian home. I did grow up in a Christian home. I asked Jesus into my heart when I was five years old, and I never turned back. I made some mistakes. I, I you know, got cold, kind of cold towards him for a period of my life. He brought me back around. Um, but I've always walked with Jesus. But I can't ever remember a conversation about Sabbath. Now, I think my parents tried at some level to practice it, though we never talked about it being a Sabbath. I never understood the concept behind Sabbath, like we're talking about it now. Um, but I think they tried to practice it, and it was not for us a Saturday, because Saturday we all cleaned the house. Anybody else grow up that way? 
There's school all week. My mom worked a lot of our childhood. And so Saturdays, you came home, you cleaned the house. We all had to go out and do the lawn. We all had our piece of the lawn. We all shared, all four of us kids. We had a pretty big lawn. And, and so all of the work tried to get done on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I think my parents tried to practice a Sabbath, I think. But if your family was anything like mine, your morning might start off trying to get ready for church. And by the time you get in the car, my dad was always in the car first, and he sat in there and read the newspaper and waited for us. I think it was to avoid issues is what I think what it was. Um, So, you know, more often than not, we're getting in the car and it's, he's touching me. She's on my side. I want the window. I want the front seat. Just all of this kind of thing was going on. So, Preparing to come do Sabbath was never peaceful or restful, for, I think, for my parents. Um, and so we come to church. We worshiped. We loved church. Kids' church was awesome. So as kids, we loved being there. And then it's the trip home. And mo- quite often, we would stop at the grocery store on the way home, and I would stay in the car and read the comics of the paper, and my parents would all go in, and my siblings sometimes would go in, and I'd sit in the car, and many a day thought the rapture had happened because my parents took forever to ever come out. <laughs> and I would be in the car, thanks to a Thief in the Night video series about the rapture, thinking they'd all gone to heaven and I'm left sitting in the car. And I'd have to think through how the heck am I going to get home? What am I going to do? And this, you know, this was my thing. So then we'd go home and my mom would have put a roast in the crock pot. And so then she'd go in the kitchen. She'd start the meal. My dad would go in the living room, sit down and get with the paper, turn on football. And then he would holler out, Delora, you need help in the kitchen? And inevitably she would say yes. And he'd say, kids, get in there and help your mother. And I'm like, will you just stop asking her, please? Don't ask if you're not going to be the one to go in there. But every time he would volunteer us. So then we're in the kitchen. We're helping my mom. We have a nice dinner. We all have to go in and help clean up my, with my mom. And then it's naps all around, except for me because I don't like naps. And so I would never take naps. But it had to be quiet around the house unless we had friends come over or we got the privilege of going to somebody's house to play. And so um, then after nap time, it's everybody up, back in the car, back to church. And so that was our Sabbath. Now, I never understood that this was supposed to be something greater than my parents want to take a nap and want to rest. But Sabbath is really a lot more than just that. And so I'm learning Sabbath right along with you guys in this process that we're going through and learning to practice. Now, like I told you, I, I've been trying to practice Sabbath um, better than, than my moments that I had before. And I have been failing and, and ending up in, in a mess with trying to unpack my brain as to why I cannot accomplish Sabbath the way that I think I need to accomplish Sabbath. And I remember talking to the Lord about this a couple weekends ago, because, you know, it's been a couple weekends, three weekends, four weekends that we've been doing this, and uh, I'm not succeeding very well. I did hear the Lord say, my grace is sufficient for you, so don't beat yourself up in this. Let my grace cover you and just keep learning, and I will help you get there. So for anybody that's practicing that or any other thing of trying to walk with Jesus, his grace is sufficient. That means it covers all those mistakes and all those trip-ups and all those failed attempts. It covers that. So if you've been striving like me to say, I've got to get this right, he says, my grace is sufficient. Let it cover it. And then keep on going. 
So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to keep on going. So in that, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, you got to be, you got to teach me something. You got to show me some things here because I'm really struggling with the practice of Sabbath. And I know I'm having a hard time with the stopping. Um, but what else is going on when I'm in this moment of Sabbath and I find myself striving and striving to make it happen? And so the, the, as I'm studying Sabbath, the Holy Spirit took me back to where Sabbath was introduced in Exodus. And you probably have heard the story. I think we've mentioned it somewhere along the pathway here. But let me um, take you to that really quick. And it is in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 11. It was included in the Ten Commandments. So just to give you a little bit of the backstory, in case you don't remember, um, the Israelites had been in bondage to the Egyptians, and they lived under in slavery for them, toiling and producing. Um, they had no value to the, to the Egyptians and to Pharaoh except for what they could produce. Does that sound like a culture we live in today? Um, and so that's the position that they were at. They began to cry out to the Lord for deliverance from that, that um, place of slavery. And he gave them Moses. He sent Moses and, and God delivered them and brought them out and brought them into a place of physical freedom. So now they're set free. They're away from the Egyptians. And now he says, okay, you have been in prison for a long time. So let me take some time and I'm going to talk to you about what it means to walk with me. I'm going to give you the guidelines of how you can live and live successfully for me. And so he gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them a whole lot more than that, but we don't have time to go into all the things that he gave them. But the Ten Commandments were one of the things. So I want to read to you the first part of that that says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind, of image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who did not tolerate, who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. Don't get caught up on that. That's a whole other teaching on generational curses and things. We're not going to get into that. But just keep on with me. Keep focused on, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreign living among you. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So from the very beginning, now the rest of the Ten Commandments deal with um, how you treat others. These deal with how you treat God. Some people say, well, maybe the Ten Commandments aren't so much for us today, but actually in the New Testament, we're reminded when Jesus is confronted about what is the greatest commandment, and he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. 
And so, and, and, and your strength. So in that, he says that, and he says, but the next one is all equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. So he takes the ten, the 10 commandments are taken and put into the New Testament and just summarized into two statements. The first part of the, of the 10 commandments, show me and tell me when you live by them that you love the Lord your God with everything within you. And when you serve the rest of the Ten Commandments, you're loving your neighbor as yourself. So the revelation that Jesus has given to the Israelites was for everyone for all eternity to live by these things. But the Israelites took these things, and I think what they could not grasp was what we see right at the very beginning. The Lord gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt the place of your slavery. He took them from a place of slavery and he said, what I'm going to give you is going to keep you in freedom. It sounded like a list of do's and don'ts, but Jesus said, what I'm giving you are not, is not a list of do's and don'ts that you have to check off. This is a place to live in and it will keep you free. If you'll live in this, it will keep you free. You see, God created this Sabbath that he mentions in these Ten Commandments for our freedom. It's so that we will remain free. Now, today we translate this as, before I get Jesus in my life, I am a slave to sin. We understand from the word that when we're born, we're born into sin. The only thing that rescues us from that entrapment of sin and slavery is the work of Jesus that he did on the cross that we can ask him into our lives and he rescues us from sin just like he rescued the Israelites from the slavery of the Egyptians. He rescues us from sin. So he says, now you're free, but let me show you how to stay free. And that's what Sabbath was all about, so that we could stay free. He wants us to live in freedom. This word today is going to show us for many of you in this room, maybe there are things that you are not, you're, you are sensing the tentacles around you and you cannot break free. Maybe it's addiction, maybe it's thought processes, whatever it is, Sabbath is going to set you free. It's not just the checking the box, just like it wasn't the Israelites just checking the Ten Commandment boxes. It was the living out the principle and letting it get all the way inside them that says, this is going to keep me free. Sabbath is going to keep you free. It's going to set you free from things that have entangled themselves around you, have entangled themselves around me. Sabbath will set us free if we practice it and if we let it get inside of us and begin to change us. So look at, let's look at how that can happen. So I just want to say in Galatians 5.1, we're reminded of this truth when it said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. You see, he didn't set you free so that you would live in slavery, that you would live like a slave. He set you free so you would live in freedom. So that's where our Sabbath is going to take us. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The Sabbath is a wonderful, precious gift to us. And it will keep us in freedom. That's why we're embracing Sabbath as a congregation, as a church. Because we're going to walk as children who are free. We're going to live in freedom. So then, right after God releases the Ten Commandments and other 
things to, um, it, to Moses to give to the Israelites. Takes them through this whole process. Mo- Moses actually writes everything down. This is before he goes up on the mountain for God to engrave the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. He writes them all down and he makes what's called a book of the covenant. So then the Lord says, take the book of the covenant, take all of these things and tell the Israelites about them and tell them that if they'll follow these things, it will keep them free. So Moses goes to them. He reads it all to them. He tells them all about it. And it says, as one voice, they all shout out, we will do everything God has instructed. They make a commitment. They have a whole ceremony. Um, They sprinkle blood, everything, and said, we're going to do everything the Lord instructs us to do. We're going to do everything that this book of the covenant that he's given us says that that he's asked us to do. We're going to do it. Well, it's not long before they mess that whole thing up. Well, hello, that is me. It's not very long before I mess the whole thing up. It's not very long before we mess it up. It's because what God was giving was going no further than right here. It wasn't permeating all the way into them. There were things that had to be broken off of the Israelites for this truth to get all the way inside. And unfortunately, we watch, if you read the Old Testament, we watch the Israelites trip time and time and time and time again trying to understand the freedom that God wanted them to live in. So we look next at the the next portion. So they've all made this commitment. God, we're going to follow all of these things that you've told us to do. Well, right after God revealed the Ten Commandments and the Book of the Covenant to Moses, the next thing he does is he teaches them to build an altar. He says, this is how you're going to build an altar. Because an altar is a place where you give reverence and you give worship and you sacrifice. So God was teaching Moses how to teach the Israelites to create a place of worship and that when they would come to that altar and they would offer worship to the one true God. Now remember where they're coming out of this place of slavery, there was not worship to one true God. There was worship to many gods. Many gods that were tangible, that you could see visibly, but none that would give them freedom and none that would keep them free. So he says, I want to teach you how to build an altar because if you'll come to that altar and you will worship me, the one true God at that altar, I will come and I will meet with you and I will do everything in you that I want to do. I will give you everything that you need at that place of worship at that altar. Did you know that Sabbath for us is building an altar? When we Sabbath, we're building an altar. We're we're laying down everything else that we're doing, and we're purposefully saying, I'm going to stop my busyness. I'm going to stop my doing. I'm going to set aside a time, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to build an altar, and I'm going to worship him in this Sabbath I'm going to stop everything else that I'm doing, and I'm going to say this Sabbath, God, is to worship and honor you. Now, does that mean you don't spend time with your family? Does that mean you don't go for a hike? You don't have a good time? No, we're going to do all those things. You're going to hear a lot about that probably next week with uh, Pastor Alex when he um, gives us the message on worship is delight. So there's fun. There's joy. Eat. Stop your... Stop your uh, paleo diet and have something good to eat, you know, whatever it is. 
do fun things, have a good time. Because remember, the rest is not just about the physical. It's about something that's happening in here. So joy and delight and worship out of Sabbath comes because I don't have to make things happen anymore. I don't have to strive. I don't have to try to gain all of these things to to empower me and make me feel worthwhile and valued. No, I can just come to this altar and say, forget all of that. It's all about you. I'm going to come worship. So when we Sabbath, we're building an altar of worship. So I'm reading this, and I'm like, I didn't even realize that when I stop, Jesus, I need to build an altar to worship. That was the next instruction you gave after you said, honor the Sabbath. You told them to build an altar. So now I need to build an altar. So how do I build an altar when I Sabbath? How do I do that? I don't quite know yet what that's going to look like. I haven't even had the chance to try it yet. So I'm going to start trying it. But I do think, I did give some ideas, by the way, on on your notes page of ways to practice Sabbath. I was meeting with my wonderful friend, Becca, this week, Billy Wayne's wife. He's not here this morning, rats. Um, But I I was sitting and talking with her, and I was like, how's your Sabbath going? I asked her if I could talk about her today. She said it was fine. I said, how's your Sabbath going? And she said, it's not. Nothing's happening. I'm so aggravated and frustrated about Sabbath. I don't even know what to do and how to start. I said, okay, I hear you. I'm struggling as well. Let's brainstorm some ideas. So we did. We sat and we just talked about some ideas of how to practice Sabbath. So we put those, I put those on paper for you guys. So you can look at that and maybe that will help you as well. But I thought one of the things that I had just read in Ruth Haley Barton's book where she talks about Sabbath is she says, every day I start with a, what I call a Sabbath pause. Ken said, a daily distraction. She said, I start with a Sabbath pause where somewhere in the day when I'm about to transition from one responsibility to another, I just take a few minutes and I just turn my thoughts to God. And I was like, that is building an altar. Right there. A short Sabbath pause in the middle of my day, somewhere along the way, I stop and just build an altar in my heart and in my mind and turn my worship to him. So I'm not striving about the next thing that I have to go into or the next responsibility, though those are going to be there. But that's the principle of practicing a Sabbath and making an altar out of it for worship. So we're going to make, we're going to make altars and we're going to worship. Got to check my time here because I always talk too long. Try, no, I can't take my time, Danita. Don't tell me that. <laughs> we are under strict instructions of the preaching team. I've got to do this. So now I'm, I'm learning. Okay, so now I have to start building an altar. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to try to build my altar, but boy, the striving and the struggle that I felt trying to practice um, my Sabbath. So I'm asking the Lord about that. Why in the world is this so difficult when I say, okay, I'm going to set aside the time, and now I have the time. Why am I find myself striving every single time in this trying to practice worship, to or practice Sabbath, to just worship you, to think about you, to even do things in a position of rest, enjoy things in a position of rest. Why am I striving? Why can I not shut my brain down? How many females have that problem in this house? 
Why can I not shut my brain down from these things, Lord? Why can't I stop thinking about these things? Why do all the responsibilities want to attack me in this moment when I'm trying to practice Sabbath? So in seeking the Lord about that, I saw in Exodus 32. Now here's where God said, okay, Moses, this whole book of the covenant, now I want you to come up on the mountain with me back up on the mountain with me, and I'm going to write the Ten Commandments on a stone, and on stone tablets, and I'm going to have you take those back down. So Moses goes up to the, to the mountain to meet with the Lord, and he's taking forever. Like, God, could you not say that in just a couple days? Uh, you know, you're taking 40 days for all of this to transition. There's a lot of other things the Lord revealed to Moses in that season, uh, particularly about a tabernacle that he was instructing Moses to build for his presence to come and dwell in. All of that's happening up there. But in the meantime, all the Israelites are down at the bottom of the mountain. And all they know is that Moses is, good, is the one leading us into freedom. We understand that God has set us free from the Israelites, but we need Moses down here because if we don't have Moses to show us the way to go. Surely we cannot figure this out on our own. We, it's like a bypass of God is what was happening. We need Moses, and Moses is taking too long, and God, he's probably died up there on that mountain by, by now, and he's never coming back. And so the word tells us in Exodus 32, 1 through 5, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us from here, brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, okay, take the gold rings from your ears, the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf, and then he announced, tomorrow will be a a festival to the Lord. So all of a sudden, things have not gone right. They're not turning out the way the Israelites thought they would. They're confused. They're, they're, They're not understanding. And so they allow fear and doubt to come in in the moment. And because they can't understand this invisible intangible God who's going to cause them to walk in freedom, they create a substitute for him. And they do it in the form of the very things he gifted them with when they came out of Egypt, because all of the Egyptians gave them their gold and, and jewelry and riches, put it in their hands and sent them out the very things that they were blessed with that in the instruction to build the tabernacle was to be a gift back to the Lord when the tabernacle was built. Those things they laid down and created a substitute with. And the Holy Spirit says, it's exactly what, you all, what we do. That's exactly what you do, Holly, is you've created substitutes. You have made idols of busyness, of producing, of um, consumerism. These things have become idols. And so when you come to me to Sabbath, you've not recognized the idols that you've created. And so they entangle you and they keep you from being able to fully worship at the altar at Sabbath. You're so distracted. They so entangled you. These idols have to be identified. 
Sabbath will help you identify the idols because they will get right up in front of your face and scream at you so that you don't engage in Sabbath and walk in freedom because idols don't make you free. Idols will not create freedom. There's only one who gave us freedom. The only one to be worshiped. But there are idols that are in front of us that keep us. This is one of them. This for me is an idol. Is it the object? No. Is it the connectivity? This need to be entertained? This need to feel that there's some value, that I'm connected to every one of your lives on Facebook? I mean, I'm still trying to discover what this thing has a hold on me. So I'm bound and determined. I got to turn this thing off. I gotta, that's why I put on there, put it under your mattress so you don't even see it when you walk in the door of your room if you're trying to Sabbath in your house. Now I realize we're in a day and age. We don't have phones in our houses anymore. This is how your children contact you. This is how everybody wants to know something from you. You're always in demand. You know, you can't just get rid of this thing. But if this thing is an idol, get rid of this thing. At least for a little while. Recognizing the idol. Sabbath will help us recognize the idols. When I'm trying to Sabbath and every every 10 minutes I feel the need to pick this back up and check something or look or I have to respond to a text um, that maybe has really no value during my Sabbath time, then this has become an idol to me in that moment of Sabbath. Holy Spirit wants to identify to us what has become idols in, in our time of Sabbath, he wants to reveal those to us because the place they belong is not outside the altar that we've built to worship. They belong on the altar as a sacrifice. And so finding a way to say, Holy Spirit, you're helping me identify these idols. Maybe it's the entertainment. Don't spend your whole Sabbath in front of the TV or in front of video games. They bring no life giving value. Are they fun? They're fun. Do it a little bit. Have fun. Oh, there goes my alarm. Oh, sheesh. They did give me five extra minutes. I'm taking them. Okay. So you understand what I'm saying? You let, you say to the Holy Spirit, this is what I said. Holy Spirit, there are idols. There are things that every time I try to come to this altar, to, to recognize the freedom you've given me, to find that rest all the way inside me. Every time I try to come here, there's stuff getting in the way up here. There's stuff getting in the way right here. And then there are tangible objects getting in the way. Holy Spirit, will you show me what they are and show me how, help me to lay them on the altar? And then the Holy Spirit said, well, then that means you have to start with yourself. Because you've let yourself become the biggest idol. Having your, your wants, having your needs for validation and value out of all these things, out of people, out of tasks, out of doing, that if you can't produce a certain level, that somehow you're not enough. That unless you can accomplish this much or you can... Can, can see these things by the work of your hands, that you need the validation for all of those things, you've made yourself an idol. Paul recognized that when he told us in the New Testament, when he said to us, 
offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. He recognized the fact that we make our own self idols. Our need for something to feel value, to feel honored, to, um, to have your own individualism, to feel like you've accomplished and attained, that doesn't speak of the rest that we've been talking about, where we stop and we say, it is, has nothing at all to do with me and what I can do, but it has everything to do with him and what he's already done. So on this day of Sabbath, I don't need more things. I don't need more accomplishment. I don't need more of things that are going to bring validation to me and create value to th- that I think are going to create value to me. All I need is him. Yeah. That's all I need. So I'm the first thing I have to put on the altar. And then I have to start laying everything else on that altar so that when I build my altar at Sabbath, then I can say, all of these things that have entrapped me all week long and, and been my tasks and my busyness and my things, yes, bringing value because we like to look back and see what we've accomplished. We want to do good jobs. But today, I put it all on the altar and I light it on fire and I say, now I'm just going to worship you. I'm going to worship you in fun. I'm going to worship you in joyful things. I'm going to worship you with my family but I'm not looking to worship any idols or to let, allow worship to myself today. I'm going to offer worship to the one true King and God. That's the lesson that he was trying to teach the Israelites. Don't create a substitute for me. Our addictions are substitutes for him. Going after something else first instead of him is a substitute, creating a substitute for him. We've made them idols, but he wants to take them on the altar and put them in the right place. And he wants to take me on the altar and help me be in the right place so that I can walk fully in the freedom that he wants me to have. So today, maybe first of all, you don't even know what it is to serve the Lord, but maybe you're in a place of where you recognize that there's no freedom And you need to have Jesus in your life. You want to make that decision today to say, will you rescue me out of this and bring me into freedom? He has that for you today. But maybe you have asked him into your life and you've been walking with him. But like me, you're attempting to Sabbath or you recognize that there are things that are just entangled. And today is the day to say, I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing unto you, Lord. Just that act is holy and pleasing to him. And we're going to learn to practice Sabbath and build an altar and worship him with our lives, with our words, with our hearts, with our minds. We're going to love the Lord our God with everything within us in that moment of Sabbath. Would you stand up?